We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. We're so glad that everybody is with us, everybody in the room and everybody online. Today we're starting a brand new sermon series and it is called Nobody Left Out. And we're basing this series on this 40-day devotional. It's by a really great guy named Michael Murray. And we encourage you uh, to go through the devotional with us. We have some copies on hand for you. They are your gift. You please take them. And if you uh, aren't here, maybe you can find one on line at Amazon. It's called Nobody Left Out by Michael Murray. All right. Have you ever felt left out? Now, it may be a surprise to you, but I have felt left out a time or two. I wasn't always invited to the coolest, to the coolest parties, Rick. I wasn't always. Do you know what it means to be looked past, maybe? Am I the only one? Does anybody remember being the last chosen for a game? Maybe on the playground, like at school, and like they're, they're choosing basketball team, or they're choosing a kickball team, they're choosing a chess team, for crying out loud, they're, they're choosing some team, and, and there have been times I was only included because I made an even number for teams. Anybody relate to that? All right, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. And even if you are great at sports, there is probably an area of your life that you are not an all-star. And in those areas, you may feel unworthy of inclusion. We probably know in some way what it means to be rejected, what it means to be uninvited, to be the punchline of somebody's joke, or to be called names. We get it all too well. And you would think because we know what it means to be left out, we would be more aware and more empathetic to those around us. You would think that, right? But it does, does it work that way? It doesn't always work that way. Strangely, I would say it is just the opposite because there, there's a working theory I want to give you. It's this, that injured people often injure people. I'll say that one more time for everybody at home watching on your couch. Injured people often injure people. Christians are not excluded from this issue. We in the church have often, uh, we often leave people feeling rejected or judged. We do that. And we really need to look at our perfect example. What would our perfect example be? Or should I say, who should our perfect example be? Somebody tell me who it is. Y'all can say his name a little bit louder. I kind of like it when we say his name a little louder. Yes, we look to Jesus Christ. He is our perfect example. Jesus comes to us all, all of us, every one of us, and he doesn't leave us out. We should be just like that. We should be just like this Jesus. And over the next weeks, we're going to be looking at eight stories of people in your Bible who were left out. They were not chosen. They were left out. They were rejected. They were the butt of the joke. And they were left out until a man named Jesus showed up. It's all a part of our devotional series. We encourage you to read along with us as we receive Jesus' invitation to enter a relationship with him. Today we're going to be looking at this first story. It's found in Luke 
chapter 19. It's a well-known story. It's Luke chapter 19, and we're going to read verse 1 through 6 right now. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Verse 4. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Raise your hand if you know this story. All right. Anybody like this story? I love this story. When we read the story, our first inclination is good job, Jesus, and good job, Zacchaeus. Do you agree with that? Let's talk about a little good job, Jesus here. Good job. Somebody say good job, Jesus. It is so good that you're healing people, Jesus. That's really good of you. It is so good that you're spreading good news of the kingdom to people, Jesus. Good job, Jesus. And you're going from town to town. Even when you're passing through, you, you make sure that you heal people and speak to people and reach out to people. And Jesus, it is so good of you to notice the little people. Somebody say the little people, the little people. The... Jesus, notice the little people. Say good job, Jesus. All right, let's do the other one. Good job, Zacchaeus. Good job. Oh, Zacky boy. Zacky boy. I saw my, my, my cousin Jeffrey and every yesterday at a family reunion, every time I see Jeffrey, he's like, oh, boy. Hey, boy. Chris, boy. Hey, hey. I got you can picture Jeff saying, hey, Zacky boy. Good job, Zacky boy. Everybody say, Zacky boy. We flew it. We're weird like that, okay? Good job, Zach. You didn't let your circumstances your physical disabilities, you didn't let your height, you didn't let any of those things keep you down, and you climbed above the obstacles of life, right? In fact, if, if you went to like somewhere like uh, Barnes & Noble, went to the self-help section, if they were going to talk about Zacchaeus, that's exactly how they would present him right there. They'd be like, good job, Zacchaeus, right? All right, so is this is this story all about good job. Is that what it is? It's all, if you're not careful, you'll get the wrong idea about things. Let me present one wrong idea with you. Wrong idea is to get Jesus's attention. You might think this about this story. It's very easy to get the wrong idea that you could wrongly think that the point of this story is if you try hard enough, if you are good enough, if you pray enough, if you worship demonstratively enough, if you are holy enough, if you keep enough of the rules, if you memorize enough scripture, then you'll get Jesus' attention. But not until then. And there's so many people, even in the church of Jesus Christ, who get the wrong idea about our Jesus and about stories like this all the time. Can I tell you very, very in your face, here it is, Christianity is not an attempt to get the attention of God. Christianity is not an attempt 
for him to notice you. When we were worshiping today, we lifted our hands, but it was not to make him aware that we exist. We were singing his praise, but it it wasn't because, God, did you forget about us down here? When we say the name of Jesus, it's not, he's like, oh, oh, I almost forgot about those people down there. That is not how it works. Christianity is not an attempt to get God's attention. There should be no worship songs to my knowledge, Tria. There are no worship songs that are entitled Jesus, please notice me. Jesus, please notice me. Jesus, please notice me. Jesus, please. No, 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 stop that. That that would be terrible, right? That's not what worship is about. What is worship is about is Jesus, I notice you. Jesus, I've seen your goodness. Jesus, I know that you are with me and you are for me. And I rejoice in everything you've done. You see that? That's completely opposite of Jesus. Please notice me. Christianity is all about the fact that God so loved the world. In fact, he already, he, we already have his attention and we already have his heart. That's what Christianity is about. God so loves the world that he is willing to go to the greatest lengths for us. What kind of lengths are we talking about? The lengths of patience. Nobody is as patient as God. Nobody has as much sacrificial love in them as our God. He goes to the greatest lengths. Whatever you think the greatest lengths are, I guarantee you, You have his attention so much he's gone past the greatest lengths for you. You have his attention today. You have his attention today. Do you know this about Jesus? Everybody watching online, I want to tell you, God knows exactly where you are. You have his attention. When we're going to pray in a few minutes after this sermon, it's not a, oh, Jesus, please don't forget I exist prayer. No, you're going to talk to a God who already knows you exist, and he knows everything about you. and. He loves you. So you have his attention today. And Zacchaeus had the attention of Jesus and the crowd. See, the crowd is also a part of the story. Zacchaeus had the attention of the crowd. Do you know the crowd's response in this story? If you've been reading it this week, you really should know it already. The crowd's response is is very surprising. There's no one in the crowd that is chanting, Good job, Jesus. Nobody's chanting it. Nobody's saying, good job, Zacchaeus. Way to climb that tree. Get Jesus' attention. Not a single person is chanting that. Do we know what they're chanting? Here it is. Verse 7. Luke 19. Verse 7. All the people saw this and began to mutter. On the count of three, I want everybody just mutter in the room. I want to hear what that sounds like. One, two, three. Can you believe that? How dare, how just, what, all right, good job. Y'all, y'all are excellent at muttering. My gosh. Next week is Mutter's Day. I hope you come back. Wow. Pray for me, guys. Pray for me. I, I, I have a sickness. I can't, can't stop it. <laughs> they, they were muttering, right? What were they muttering? He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. That Jesus they're, they're just saying, you know, when you mutter, it's like you're saying it out loud, but you're saying it just loud enough so it spreads to the next person, right? Right. 
can you believe you? Like, you ever been in a line like at the grocery store and you're so upset that it's taking so long and you want to say it out loud, but you also want it to like spread to the next person. It's like you're just putting out this negative energy. It's like, can you believe they don't have all these lines open? My goodness, they have all these lines here. They've got 20 of these lines and they've only got two of them open. Can you believe that? You've done it, right? You've done it. You're, we're, we're champions at muttering. We, we don't need any practice, right? So they're muttering. And they're muttering about Jesus and they're muttering about Zacchaeus. There is no good job, Zacchaeus. There is no good job, Jesus, in this story. Surely there must be some mistake, right? This should be a wonderful moment. When we read this moment, we, we really feel all the wonder and we feel good things about this moment. We're like, oh, yeah, what a great moment. Oh, some of y'all are like, oh, he's preaching on Zacchaeus this week. That's really good. Nobody in the moment had that feeling. Nobody. Isn't that a surprise to you? Surely there must be some mistake. Maybe Jesus made a mistake. That's part of the muttering, right? Oh, hey, can you believe it? He's going He's going to be the guest of a sinner. My gosh, some prophet that is. How does he not know? The guy's a terrible sinner. Maybe, maybe Jesus made a mistake. Couldn't Jesus actually be hanging out with a sinner? Oh, my goodness. Some people are like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. This guy who heals people, I was really believing him, but now you know, he's hanging out with sinners. What is this? Surely Jesus would not have approached a sinner. Surely Jesus would know better than to approach a sinner. Anybody glad Jesus approaches sinners? I mean, anybody like really glad about that? I am glad about it, Patricia, for personal reasons. It turns out Zacchaeus is a no good thief. Everybody say no good thief. I want to preach to you today about the no good thief, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, he was Jewish. That means he was an Israelite. That means he could trace his lineage all the way back to Abraham, all right? He was a believer in those regards of Judaism. But, everybody say but, look out. He was a chief tax collector for the Roman government. And it was correct, it was correct to consider him the following. Number one, a thief. It was correct to consider him a thief because Zacchaeus, he kind of ran things himself and he taxed over and above to take his own cut. Let me just say, aren't you glad government still doesn't do that? Isn't anybody glad that just sarcasm? Anyone? All right, good. He, he would tax over and above and then take his own cut. In other words, if the emperor Caesar expected 30% of your earnings, then the tax collector had permission and the ability to tax you 40%, 10% above that, and he would take the extra 10%, and he'd give, he would take his own cut. And it, you were lucky if it was just 10%. And then if you said no to him, you were in trouble, right? You're in trouble. So it was correct to consider him a thief. It was also correct to consider him rich, wealthy, and dishonest. It was correct to consider him a traitor because he was doing this to his own downtrodden people. There was a feeling of Zacchaeus. How can you be working for those guys? Those guys are beating us in the streets. Those guys are hanging us to wooden crosses. Those guys 
are enslaving us. It was also correct to consider him an outcast. Nobody wanted to hang out with Zacchaeus. Nobody wanted to be near Zacchaeus. In fact, if we, they, they didn't even like to say his name. They just liked to mutter about him. And finally, it was absolutely correct to consider him privileged. He's in a very privileged position above every other person. And he was taking advantage of the situation. And might I point out, Zacchaeus is not a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. Did you notice that? That wasn't like a nickname, like you go, hey, chief, how you doing, chief? No, no, that was a position. He's a chief tax collector. He is not a bottom rung tax collector. He is not assistant to the regional tax collector. Zacchaeus is in upper management. He was over the other tax collectors. So they hated him a little bit more just because of this. The crowd had trouble understanding why Jesus would come for a no good thief. Now let's pause one second because you might have trouble understanding how God could bless someone, how God could use someone. I know some people that, you know, somebody in their past hurt them. And then if they hear a good story about that person, they're like, oh, forget all the good stuff. Because that time back in 1942, they did something really bad to me. I I, I can't even, there are some people, I know people that can't even rejoice when God does something in someone's life because of something they did years ago to them. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Well, that's the situation here. The crowd had trouble understanding why Jesus and Zacchaeus, why they would be together and that would be any good thing. Yet this is exactly what happens. Now, Jesus walks into Jericho and it says he reaches the spot. Can you say the spot? Every time I read this story, this jumps out to me, Marshall. Every time. He reaches the spot. Now, we started, it said he's just passing through Jericho. You remember that's verse 1. He's passing through Jericho. But Scripture calls it the spot. It says, and when Jesus reached the spot, right? That's, that's a real interesting thing. I've often wondered what that means. It seems to me that it means that Jesus had a predetermined cause and a predetermined location. He had a longitude and a latitude that he was going to go stand at that spot at a specific time for a specific reason. Now, he doesn't make mention of this. But Luke says, when Jesus reached the spot. It seems like Jesus is not just randomly walking through a city and he randomly looks up into a tree and he randomly sees a guy and he says, hey, tree guy, how you doing? Tree guy, everybody say tree guy. Hey, tree guy, how you doing? That's not what's happening. No, Jesus came to the spot. There was a spot. He was, going, he was passing through the city, but he also had a reason to pass through this city. At this moment, he came to a spot. I believe Jesus knows the exact spot where Zacchaeus was going to be. And I believe that Jesus knows the exact spot 
where I am right now. And I believe Jesus knows the exact spot where you are right now. Do you believe this about Jesus? So I was serving God many years before God reminded me of a story. I'm going to remind you of this story. Some of you have heard it before. I was living for God for many years, working in ministry, and going, wow. And you know, you'll go, like, wow, how did this all come about? You know, I'm working in ministry. How did this really start? You know, sometimes you're doing things, you forget about things that God has spoken to you previously. Well, I was at a youth camp. I was at a Christian youth camp, and I was... I was in this really big room, and I, I was, uh, it was the first day of camp. There was a service about to start, and I was from a little uh, church in, in Waco. I was the only young person in the church, and I was the only young person at this camp. I felt all alone. I looked around, and I, I saw how things worked. I was like, oh, there's this church over there with like uh, 40 young people in it. They all know each other, and there's over there, there's some guy, there's some guy in like this three-piece suit, right? And he's like eight years old, he's like, oh, that's some pastor's kid, like some well-to-do pastor's kid, and there's all these people, and I'm just like, I'm just this kid, I'm just sitting in this pew, and there are like a, a, a easily 800 kids in this auditorium, and it's huge, and I suddenly felt, I felt the presence of God, and can I tell you, it freaked me out at the age of eight, because every once in a while, I was used to feeling God's presence when service started, I was used to maybe feeling God's presence every once in a while at the altar praying. But right now, I felt God's presence and service hadn't started. Everybody's just around glabbing and talking and kids are being stupid because that's what we do as kids. We're just all being dumb. And suddenly I felt the very holy presence of God and I started to weep. And as I wept there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to cry in front of all these people. It's day one. You're already a loser. Now you're a crying loser, baby. Get your diaper, baby, Chris. What are you doing? And so I'm like hiding, hiding behind the pew in front of me. All right, everybody do your hand like this right above. You're hiding with me. It's like, and I'm just, I'm just looking above every once in a while, the, the water line of this pew. And then I'm going back down. I was like, Oh, my God, what are you doing to me, God? It's like, oh, there's people everywhere. There's just, oh, God, I feel God's presence, and I don't, I don't know if I like it. Oh, it's like, if this, is, I'm, this is true. God, I looked up, and I saw across the way, I saw, I saw this older lady, very old. She must have been 40. I was eight years old, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> 40 is younger every day. 40 is a baby all at the age of 42. Can I tell you, 40 is looking mighty young. But I looked over there. I see this lady stand up. And I, I, I swear, it might, she must have had like neon signs pointed at her because she's the only thing I saw suddenly. I didn't see anyone else. I saw this woman stand up and she stood up with such authority. I'm like, what's that lady standing up for? And I was like, there is no way she sees me. I'm a football field away. I'm in a sea of kids. There's no way. What is she doing? She's walking somewhere with authority. And I just go, where is she going? She stands up and she walks down this place. She walks over and she's she's walking. She's not talking to anybody. I'm like, and I was like, Oh, God, she's coming to talk to me. That's impossible. She's coming to talk to me, God. How in the world is that possible? I'm like, oh, my gosh, can I get lower? I'm like, nah, there's no way. I'm like, oh, don't look. Yes, look. Oh, my gosh. 
there is no way, there is no way she's coming to talk to me. And I'm like, you know she's coming to talk to me. I'm like, I'm like, I'm having this internal dialogue. I don't even know. At this point, I'm eight years old. Even so looking back, I don't know what is Chris and what's God talking. I don't know if I'm losing my mind at this point. I'm just all over the place. But sure enough, that woman, she turns right down my row. And she's walking up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. My gosh, there she is. She's coming. She walked right up to my row. She looked down at me, and in her eye, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I don't say a word. That woman, she looks down at me, and she says these words. It's like she came to the spot. She looked down. She said, young man, worshipers, sit on the front row. Follow me. God reminded me that after I had been leading worship for a decade. See, I didn't just fall into this. God had been calling me. He came to the spot, and it didn't matter how I tried to hide from him. He sent that woman. I have no idea who she is. She probably doesn't remember that moment. Who knows? But I remember it forever. And it wasn't until years later I realized God was calling me into something. I was trying to hide from him, but he walked right up to the spot where I was. And he put a calling on my life. Jesus knows the spot where you are. Zacchaeus, you couldn't hide. He knows the spot where you were, Zacchaeus. I don't know what you're feeling in this place. You're probably like, surely, surely not you. Surely not. Well, let me tell you. That didn't work for me good at youth camp. It doesn't work good for you either. Surely, yes, God knows where you are. And surely, yes, he has a calling for you. And surely, yes, he's walking right up to you today. He's going to walk right to the spot where you are. Are you ready? Are you ready? You can't hide from God. Jesus walks up to the spot. He looks up into a sycamore tree. And Jesus speaks. What's the first word out of his mouth? Someone say the first utterance out of his mouth. What does he say? He says, Zacchaeus, he says his name. He says Zacchaeus, right? Somebody say Zacchaeus. Jesus does not call him no good thief. He doesn't say no good thief. Come down there from there. That's not what he says. He calls him Zacchaeus. He calls him by name. Jesus did not come to the spot to judge him. Jesus did not come to the spot to rebuke him. Jesus came to the spot to have a relationship. And Jesus came to hang out. He came to hang out. He came to hang out with the one person in Jericho no one wanted to hang out with. He came to the one person nobody wanted to choose. He came to the one person, if anybody was to say anything about him, it wouldn't be nice and it would be a bunch of muttering. Jesus chose that person. He walked up to the spot and he chose him and says, today I want to hang out. With you, Zacchaeus. Now the word sinner. The word sinner is present. It's not in the mouth of Jesus. It's in the mouth of who? The crowd. The crowd, they're right. They murmured that Jesus was to be the guest of a sinner. What they said. So the word, the name Zacchaeus is in the mouth of Jesus. The word sinner is in the mouth of the crowd. They were mad. They were confused. They were disappointed. They were hurt at both Zacchaeus and even Jesus. 
Why? Because rejected people reject people. Hurt people hurt people. Left out people leave out people. And all of Israel was rejected. All of Israel was hurt. And all of Israel was left out. And so naturally, they just treat others that way. I want to tell you, one second, can you give some grace to the person that's hurting you? They're probably hurt themselves. Can you give some grace to the person that's rejecting you? They probably feel rejected themselves. Can you give some grace to someone? Can you view them a little differently? The word sinner was in the mouth of the crowd, but the name Zacchaeus was in the mouth of Jesus. Have you been listening to the crowd? Is that, is that what you, you've been listening to? Oh, all the things they say about you, is that what you're listening to? I would suggest that you listen to who? You should listen to, somebody help me, you should listen to who? You should listen to Jesus and what he has to say about you. I've never heard Jesus call me by my past mistakes. I've heard him call me. By name, I've heard him call me a beloved son. I've heard him call me out of darkness into his marvelous light. The crowd thought Zacchaeus was unworthy. But Jesus thought Zacchaeus was worth stopping for. And then a, a week later, Jesus proves that Zacchaeus is worth dying for. Because about a week later, Jesus hung on the cross. For a man named Zacchaeus. Who are we talking about? We're talking about a no good thief. A no good thief. The crowd thought Zacchaeus was a no good thief. And this reminds me of another crowd in Jerusalem. Because Jesus died among thieves. Thief on his right. A thief on his left. Jesus died the death of a thief. The crowd at the crucifixion treated Jesus like a no Good thief. The same style of muttering was around Jesus the day he carried that cross. Jesus knows rejection. Jesus knows what it means to be left out and to be hurt. Yet, Jesus doesn't reject us. Jesus doesn't hurt us. Jesus doesn't leave us out. That's what's so amazing about Jesus. You know, that whole thing. I tried to set it up for you. Hurt people. Hurt people. But the hurt person named Jesus, he prays. He loves you. He reaches out nail-scarred hands for you. And upon that cross, even no good thieves had access to Jesus. He left nobody out. Nobody out. Nobody out. There's hope for a no good thief. Seeing Jesus and having Jesus approach and speak to him by name must have changed Zacchaeus. What do you think? Verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. There's a lot we could say about this one verse. But let's say this. This is a really big change. And it's a really big promise that Zacchaeus made. Do you think Zacchaeus followed through with it? Do we think that he made it right with all the people? I don't know all the people he heard. It was probably a lot of people. And 
the promise he makes is, whoa, that's pretty, that's pretty steep. That, did he make it right with all the people he, that he hurt? I want to tell you that we don't know, but it's not really what the story's about anyway. We don't know, but that's not what it's all about anyway. Here is what matters. It's the next verse. Conveniently, it's the next verse. Look at that. Verse 9. This is what it's about. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Salvation has come. Why did salvation come? Not because Zacchaeus has given back the money. Don't you get it twisted? Zacchaeus is, salvation has come to your house, but it's not because you've decided to give the money back. No, salvation has come because Jesus, the Son of Man, has come. Jesus equals salvation. You know that. The very name Jesus means salvation. Yeah, it literally means Yahshua. It means Jehovah, Savior. It means God saves. Jesus is God Saving us. Do you know that? When it comes to salvation, nobody is left out. Thieves, liars, murderers, racists, hypocrites. Salvation has come for us all. Why? Because Jesus has come for us all. And him approaching the one person in Jericho, no one would choose to be on their team. Because he chose that person, it shows us that he'll choose us too. It shows that he's not going to leave us out either. He has come for us all. Salvation has come to the spot where you are today. Where are you today? What's going on in your heart today? What have you done so wrong? Are you going to make it right? We could talk all about those things. But let's table that discussion because it's not about that. It's about Jesus coming to the spot where you are. Because he refuses to leave you out. So when Jesus is calling you by name, do you realize that that is salvation calling you by name? Salvation is not calling you by your sin, but by your name. Can I, can I help some church people here? Maybe there's some other churches watching online. Oh, churches, I love you. I love the church of Jesus Christ. But listen, we sometimes need a good shaking because we are just yelling people's sin at them. We need to be yelling salvation at them. We need to be telling them about the name of Jesus and how he leaves nobody out and how he's come for us all. That's the good news. That's the good news. So salvation has come. It's come to the spot wherever you are. What will be your answer today? What will be your answer today? Zacchaeus did not stay in the tree and watch from a distance. You can't stay in the tree today. Jesus is calling you by name, but you can't stay where you are. That's a big problem because some people go, there was this spot I was at and God loved me and I felt God's presence in that moment. So I'm going to stay in that spot. No, don't stay in that spot. Jesus came to the spot, but Zacchaeus could not stay in the spot. Somebody say amen if you understand what I'm saying. 
Jesus has come to your spot today, but he doesn't want you to stay in that spot. Zacchaeus came down from that tree. He did not stay in the tree and watch Jesus from a distance. Zacchaeus climbed down and he went home with Jesus that day. I'm going to ask everyone who wants to go home with Jesus to come to this altar today. We're going to be coming to this altar very quick, very soon. I want everybody who wants Jesus. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.